It's been said that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and nowhere is that more true than in my studio today. Let's meet these artists now, and we'll also meet those who feel their work is nothing but smut. This is Gigi Allen. Gigi is a rock and roller who makes the most wild punk groups pale in comparison. I don't know if you'll recall this, but he made the news recently, Gigi did, when it was revealed that he relieved himself on stage, live. Why, Gigi, did you feel a need to, uh, to defecate in front of a live audience? Well, my body is the rock and roll temple, and my flesh, blood, and body fluids are a communion to the people, whether they like it or not. I mean, I'm not, not out to please anybody. My, my rock and roll is more not to entertain, but to annihilate. And, you know, who, I don't, who is it that you would like to annihilate? I hate everybody. You know, anybody that's in my way, I just want to take them out. It's my, it's my revenge, really. You know, I just go through my mind like a machine gun. My body is the bullets and the audience is the target. And I see that rock and roll has just become so institutionalized that you've got people in monkey suits, you've got college jocks, and people with money running the industry. And I'm, I'm trying to bring danger back into rock and roll. And there are no limits and no laws. And I'll break down every barrier put in front of me till the day I die. But the applause, in case you're curious, is coming from uh, a, a G.G. Uh, Allen fan club there in the first two rows. Notice the cool mustache on the third guy in on the first row. You get a shot of him? Merle. What's his name? That's my brother Merle. He's my bass player for the murder joke. Oh, is it? All right. Great. I love that mustache. It's really a happening, happening, uh, happening thing. looks like George Bush. Right. Well... Welcome to Left on Red, listeners. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, God! <laughs> oh, what's up, dude? Oh, uh, you know, yeah, just, uh, yeah, that really just got me in, in the fucking zone. Yeah, dude. absolutely, dude. Cocked, locked, ready to rock. Yeah, you fucking know it, man. Jacked fucking directly rock in. Rock hard, dude. Just like, like a fucking pulse cannon. Absolutely, or dude. Rock hard, ready to party. I yep. see you got a fresh buzz on your head right now. That's yep. looking good, dude. You're looking yeah, like a straight-up uh, skinhead. I dressed like um, Jean-Luc Picard ah. uh, for Halloween, so I literally shaved my head with like yeah. like a bald man's haircut. Sure. So I had to go full, full bald after that. Dude, I did the same thing in college. I don't know if you remember, but there's no Oh, yeah, no, no. That, that video is... Yeah, yeah. I bicked the top of my times. head. And it, there's no choice. You gotta just, you gotta just cut it after that because yeah. you can't... There's no yeah. salvaging that. Unless yeah, you want to do like a too, reverse, like I did it. I did it low like his too, so it was like the horseshoe like yeah. wingtips, but it like started barely above the ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, damn man! Unless you want to do like the reverse fade, which yeah. I guess you could do. 
That would fade from TikTok. No, 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 no. It's not. That's going to be like the illest hairstyle in like yeah. 2027. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember when we were talking last week on, on our Hralfa Brown Breaches episode about how the tonsure is... I usually go into a fugue state during episodes. Oh, that's fair. I don't remember a single one. Uh, we were talking about um, how <laughs> the tonsure is, is the most inherently erotic oh, yeah. uh, hairstyle. The most sexual of all yeah, hairstyles. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's inherently... Um, incredibly sexual. So yes. maybe you should have kept it because it's like you said, I man. I could have tonsured up. Yeah. <laughs> the dating world is fucking feral out there right now. Oh, trust me. I am well aware. <laughs> uh, uh, so what's new? What's going on? You have a good spooktober? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah I sure did. Um, and you know what? We're going to have a. Well, I don't really want to give away some of the uh, the episodes we got coming out, but yeah, it'll be yeah. a bit of a spook vember too, but yeah, not I mean, scary spook, more like um, you know, G-Men. secret agents, <laughs> men in black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, tonight is also kind of a spook vember. Uh, not that it's either of those kinds of spooks, but just like probably the most deranged, spooky person. Uh, you could possibly imagine uh, we're going to be yeah. talking about. Um, and so before we even dive in, like before I forget, um, yeah. I do want to put a disclaimer at the front of this episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is almost certainly going to be our most vulgar episode. Um, the guy that we're talking about uh, just did some of the most heinous, dirty, fucking nasty shit ever and was also Holy like sure. a criminal and, and you know, did some just really morally reprehensible things. Um, and we're going to talk about that stuff, uh, not in excruciating detail, because as you guys know, Evan and I aren't like super junkies for the obscene, but um, we're going to talk about it because without talking about it, there's no real point in the episode because the whole point is to talk about what a depraved lunatic he was. So um, yep. I'm not going to give it away just yet. I know we've got a couple things to, to discuss, but uh, I just wanted to get that one out there. Um, so it's not really suitable for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if, if my warning to you seems too vague, just know that if if pretty much any kind of bodily fluid or, or violent act bothers you, like, just don't listen to the episode because they're all yeah. in there. Um, How, yeah, if you are very concerned with retention of bodily fluids, making sure that you do not lose your precious bodily fluids, <laughs> you may have a difficult time with this episode. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but also seriously, there's going to be frank discussion of like sexual assault and physical violence and yeah. stuff too. So, um, you know, just be forewarned. And if none of that bothers you, and you want to hear about the fucking most insane rock and roll musician ever to have walked the earth, then by all means, keep listening because that's the that one we're talking what we about. We will be today. discussing. Um, no spoilers. So, uh, <laughs> was there anything else that you wanted to like touch on before we before we dive in? I know we did receive an <laughs> ad this week. Yeah, I did. You know, uh, I guess we should just, uh, before we talk, we get into the ad, talk about, like, the fucking insane shit that went down in Dallas yesterday. What happened in Dallas yesterday? The fucking JFK Jr. Oh, like, my God, yes. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. a massive fucking gathering yeah. of QAnon people just, yes. like, getting ready for, like... <laughs> fucking Robin Williams was supposed to come back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who else? Who are some of the other ones? I don't I even know, I man. I got this together. But there was like a bunch of crazy people that they thought were going to come back. I just saw like Obviously, the quickest clip of it. And they were like chanting yeah. for JFK Jr.'s return. 
and then Trump yeah, was going to come let me, back. Let me see if I can find some of them right now. And then they're, they um, think there's going to be like a great economic reset this month, right? Where like everybody's going to become rich and like the U.S. dollar is going to be phased out. And dude, I don't even know. There's going to be universal basic income, but they're not going to call it that because if they called it that, it would be socialist. So it's going to be like the Freedom Fund and Donald Trump is just going to pay everyone's bills forever. And yeah, it's, it's uh, hysterical because like these are all like vocally anti-socialist anti-communist people who are just yeah. like espousing donald trump introducing communism oh yeah that's right yeah so be, it had to deal with uh, the julian calendar they believe that this would be the day i i think i i don't know how but using the julian calendar as opposed to the gregorian calendar right, which has right. been <laughs> right right, right to right, like right. like by the new world yeah. order to like take control <laughs> oh yeah so kobe bryant was supposed to come back uh, Robin Williams, Tupac, Tupac, oh Dale Earnhardt. Like, dude, the gang no was all going to get back together. Can you imagine just... Robin Williams, Tupac, Dale Earnhardt, and JFK Jr. fucking just, like, walking <laughs> out of the Bryant. fucking light, all wearing aviator shades and just being like, that's it, Donald Trump won. Like, frankly, at that point, if that happened, I'd be sold. I would, yeah. I would immediately... I don't even care yeah. what the rest <laughs> happened in my life. That would be, like, the coolest fucking moment of my life. I'd be like, fuck it, you can just take yeah. me now. I don't care. Rapture me. I can just fuck see... <laughs> I can just see it's, like, the, like, an Armageddon-type... You know, the movie Armageddon. Like, an Armageddon-type yeah. moment. And they've got, like, their slow-motion, like, walk. And the dramatic music's playing. And be like, oh, my fucking God. Yeah, or it's got, like, fucking Bon Jovi playing or something. Bon Jovi's got COVID right now. Oh, no. I know. I know. Yeah. I was really. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I was talking the other day about how I've always, in my head, it's not like a great joke or anything, but I've always wished that instead of his name being John Bon Jovi, it was John Bon Jovi. And (laughs) I don't know. I just think the name John Bon's a really good name for a person. (laughs) Yeah. That's all. That's stupid. Oh, man. Yeah. I did see a good Onion article right before this. One of the ones that the headline's good enough. It was um. Let me let me open up right here. I gotta get the wording right. Sure. Yeah. This is makes for good listening. Absolutely. My favorite kind of listening mm-hmm. on podcast when a guy looks something up. Yeah. Um. QAnon supporters disappointed after Steve Irwin returns instead of JFK Jr. <laughs> <laughs> That's stupid. Because he, who would be disappointed by that? These perverts would. I guess so. Yeah, because he would be all about climate change and stuff. He'd probably have Greta Thunberg on the show. Greta Thunberg, however you fucking say her name. They would probably be... She totally would have been on Crocodile Hunter. I feel like. I feel like they would have had her on. She kind of looks like his daughter. She kind of looks like Bindi Irwin. Really? Yeah, that was his kid. And I guess they still do that show, but like, who fucking cares? You know what I mean? I used to love watching that in the summer when I was a little kid. I, I have this really vivid memory. You know how you like have these like random interactions when you're younger, like you know, fifth, sixth grade, whatever, that you just never forget. And they're not, like, specifically traumatic or important in any particular way, but for some reason, like, that one interaction, you just, like, will always remember. Yeah. (laughs) I remember being, it must have been sixth grade, right, which is just when kids start being really mean, and I was a fucking goofball weirdo and, like, got really tall and had acne already and, like, just, like, wasn't... Ain't nothing changed, brother. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't really have acne, but I am still tall. really acne, but... Yeah. Um... But so I remember sitting in class and we were like, you know, just like it was like before class started and we were like talking, we were talking about like things we like to watch on TV. Like, I don't know, either the teacher had like given us some prompt about like, hey, what's your favorite TV show and why or whatever. Yeah. 
And there was this girl in my class named Vanessa. I'm not going to blow up her spot and name her last name. Not that she'll ever fucking hear the show. But her name was Vanessa. And she was super quiet and was like never talked. She was one of those kids. You remember there was always like a couple kids that just like would never fucking talk. Yeah. And <laughs> I remember we were going around and telling like what our favorite TV show was. And I was like, oh, I really like The Crocodile Hunter. And she just yeah. goes, The Crocodile Hunter? Like, what are you, a loser? And this is like Dude, the girl never who talked, never talked. And I was just like, no, I mean, she, she would say things, but it's dude, she roasted the shit out of me, like over an open flame, just like in front of everybody. And all I could do was just be like, oh, well, I mean, it's cool. There's snakes and stuff. But everybody was like laughing and like, it, like dude, her, you were just getting <clears throat> owned. Dude, her roast just like stuck. And everyone was like, ah, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Fuck this kid. Fuck, fuck the crocodile. Loser. And granted, like we're all 11. Everybody fucking liked the crocodile hunter, you know, like yeah. there's no fucking way. But, you know, it's that age where like the mob will just form because it's like, don't pay attention to me. Let's all laugh at this kid. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh. Yeah. The, the, the searing eye of Sauron. That right. Is the, the, yeah. the sixth grade like zeitgeist <laughs> is not it on has, them for one day. <laughs> it has shifted to me. And so like all these other fucking dweebs are just like, yeah, oh, uh, yeah. Fuck this guy. Fuck him. Eat him a lot. Eat him. Fucking eat him. You know, oh, man, middle school was fucked. Middle school is yeah, fucked dude. if you're anything but, like, you know, a linear, <laughs> like, thinking, normal yeah. Chad dude. There are kids who peaked in middle school. Yeah. I remember there are kids who were, like, super cool in middle school, and then by high school were already not cool. Now, I was, like, well, not dude, cool I, So, I remember, them, like, one of the coolest kids when I was in middle school... He was, like, two years older than everybody because he stayed back two yep. times. Oh, yeah. And, like, everybody thought they were so cool then. And then even by the time you're, like, 15, you're, like, whoa, dude. damn, dude. We had one of those, too. His name was Anthony. And he used to have yeah. – uh, he had pierced his own ear with a safety pin. And he would wear a safety pin in his ear. And he wore, like, all ICP shit. And he would smoke cigarettes because he was, like, 15. And yeah. we were in eighth grade. And yeah, dude, dude. He, he had like an aged face. Like realistically, he probably had some fucking crazy shit going on at home. But like his yeah. face looked like wrinkled and old because he just like ripped butts and smoked weed. And like there were all these stories about like girls giving him blowjobs and stuff. And we we're all like, Jesus what the Christ. fuck is what's a blowjob? Like I don't even know what the <laughs> fuck that is. Man, it was crazy. Fucking crazy. Just a weird ass time. Yeah. You know. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. Um, we do have, we have an advertisement today, right? Uh, yes, we do. That's cool. <clears throat> I like when we get those. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so in collaboration with the Left on Red podcast, the JFK Jr. Lives Truth Watch would like to cordially invite you to the November 23rd Dealey Plaza Tuesday, Who's Day, JFK Death Day, Fun Bash Dallas, Blast Off for Deep State Funtivities, and Reprogramming Extravaganza. Make sure to grab your significant other and kids and head on down to the grassy knoll in scenic Dallas, Texas, home of the Cowboys. It can get cold in November out there, and we want you home to enjoy the festivities this Thanksgiving. Snow, forest, bridge, hearth, fire, warm, mother, love, country, home. You're nowhere near baseline, Paragon. We need you to come back in. You've been in the cold too long. We need to debrief you. Snow, 
forest, bridge, hearth, fire, warm, mother, love, country, home. Repeat after me. Snow, forest, bridge, hearth, fire, warm, mother, love, country, home. You've been in the cold too long. It's time to come back in by the fire. We need to debrief you. You're too close to getting compromised. Your duty is over. Come back in. Repeat after me. Home. Country. Love. Mother. Warm. Fire. Hearth. Bridge. Forest. Snow. Come back in in two weeks. Meet at Rendezvous Cliffside. We've got such exciting attractions as... Where's HW? <laughs> The Three Tramps Bumper Cars Jamboree and the Magic Bullet Roller Coaster. So come on down and get out of the cold this Thanksgiving. <laughs> wow. There was like a what, what was that? There was like a whole thing in the middle there. Um, yeah, it was just like I just heard like a clicking. And oh. then I think maybe maybe the track skipped. Oh. I don't know. You didn't hear all that? I just heard like clicking, and then I think I think the the recording they gave us may have skipped a second. Oh. Anyway, that sounds like fun. So maybe you should <laughs> uh, get out of the cold and go to Dallas on November twenty third, this Thanksgiving week. Yeah, yeah. I think I should. I think I should go to Dallas. I think I need to get in out of the out of the cold out of the, out of the yeah. cold. Um. Okay. Keep thinking of somewhere near a cliff. Yeah. Right, I anyway, that was weird. That was a really weird one. But yeah, anyway, it sounds like a good time. So uh, hopefully you guys will be able to make yeah, it. That kids, sounds like yeah. a really fun rally. Um, the one part that I that I'm surprised by is that they said significant other and not like heteronormative like marital partner. But yeah, I guess yeah, just, you know, I guess I guess they're open minded. Hey, it's 2021, you know. <laughs> I guess even these even these fucking freaks. Are, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, even these, yeah, even these tradcath freaks. <laughs> tradcath. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, Thanks. I guess they, what did they send us a donation or something to play that? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'll, I'll wait for the Venmo. Okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So unless there's anything else, uh, you want to start? Yeah, let's get to it, man. Let's start the show. year is 1991 and Gigi Allen is restless. He's at the tail end of a 15-month prison sentence for the violent sexual assault of a 25-year-old fan named Leslie Morgan. Leslie, a devotee of Allen's, had wanted to marry the punk frontman, but only after being ejaculated on by he and his entire band back at their hotel after a show in Ann Arbor, Michigan in 1991. All right, wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> 
after oh after that yeah. is when the marriage proposal yeah. was requested. So she's a huge fan, and she okay. she wants to marry Gigi Allen. She's in love with him. Um, okay. She's a waitress in Ann Arbor, and she goes to his show, and she says like, "I love you. I want to marry you, but I also like want like to fuck your whole band and like, uh, nice. and you and whatever." And so you know. He's he's like sure come back to the hotel. He's a showman, <laughs> and so they try. You know, I guess they make an honest attempt, but I think everyone finds it a little weird and a little hard, even for this group, to kind of all do that simultaneously. So, um, so Gigi decides that he's going to take her just back to his hotel room. Oh, so that doesn't happen. No, no. Oh, she, I thought she it didn't happen, and that. then she was like, "All right, now that that's over with, no. can we get married?" No, she she okay. the bukkake doesn't occur, but she she. Um, so Gigi's like, all right, I'll just take you back to my room. And I yep. guess, you know, according to him, she's into, you know, and this would make sense for one of his fans. We'll get into that. But she's into sort of being abused. And so he handcuffs her to the bed and proceeds to just like for hours, just like burn her with cigarettes and like cut up her breasts and with his pocket knife and just like beat her. And, and you know, he rapes her. She claims yes, they have sex in some capacity. Um yeah. And then after all that's over, she's like, okay, like, will you marry me now? And he's like, oh, fuck no. Like, and just like, what the fuck? lets her go and she leaves. And so she ends up, uh, now there's deferring accounts, but she ends up uh, calling the cops and accusing him of, of rape and assault. Um, so he finds himself in custody and he's standing trial for assault with intent to do great bodily harm less than murder. Uh, the charge stuck, and in December of 1989, Gigi Allen was off to prison. So he's been locked. He's been locked up before, but never for this long, and he is restless. You see, Gigi Allen wasn't one to spend his days sitting still. Since the early 80s, he'd been the front man of many groups, but most recently, uh, caustic, virulently underground punk act, the Murder Junkies, and he's built up a okay. reputation uh, for living just about the hardest, fastest life that a human body could take. And now, after nearly a year and a half stuck in a cell with nothing but movies, photocopied magazine articles, and near-constant masturbation to entertain him, he okay. was ready to explode. So he sits down in this period and he writes the G.G. Allen Manifesto. And uh, we'll get to that later, but let me tell you, boys and girls, when this guy gets out of prison, shit is going to pop off. Um, so I know that I just teased a lot of really demented stuff in the intro there. Um, yeah. and don't worry, we're going to talk about... As much of it as we can get to. I was I was worried. Yeah, this wasn't demented enough yet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so we'll get to most of it. Um, but I think to truly understand a freak like Gigi Allen, because we don't really know who that is yet, uh, you got to go back to the very beginning, um, because okay. he had a very unique uh, early childhood experience, to say the least. So the baby who would grow up to be this vicious man we've started to describe, Gigi Allen. Uh, was born on August 29th, 1956 at Weeks Memorial Hospital in Lancaster, New Hampshire to Merle Allen Sr. and Arlita Gunther. Yep. His actual birth name was Jesus Christ Allen. Um, though this quickly became Gigi because his older brother, Merle Jr., who was a toddler, couldn't <laughs> pronounce the name, just called him Gigi. Uh, apparently his father, uh, Merle Sr., thought that his new son was the Messiah reborn claiming to have seen a vision of Christ who told him essentially this. And so he figured that this kid should have a name to match. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, and you would think that if your new son was the, the Messiah, you'd like, I don't know, be nice to them. 
Um, but that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. These lofty ambitions did not include special treatment. And so Gigi's brought home to a pretty fucked up situation. Uh, you see, the Allens lived in a small log cabin in the town of Groveton, which is way north New Hampshire. It's right on the Vermont border, and it's, like, super close to Quebec. They're up in the woods. Yep. Um, no electricity, no running water. And they basically just lived in abject poverty under the insane, abusive thumb of the father, Merle Sr., who is, yep. like, pretty obviously profoundly mentally disturbed. Um, I would say so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, w- I would definitely absolutely be willing to say that he sounds pretty fucked just already yeah he's he's not a normal guy um he gets he gets pretty frequent uh like religious hallucinations like communicating with saints and jesus and stuff um and he's physically and emotionally abusive to his wife and his sons um one of his favorite bits that he would do is he would he would threaten to murder suicide the whole family um (laughs) bit yeah (laughs) oh your father's just going off on one of his bits again talking about taking out the shotgun and uh (laughs) yeah and the reason i call it a bit is because he never did it obviously but uh, yeah yeah he was just he was having he was having a lark dude yeah he was just he was just he was just he was larping um but apparently he did this like pretty constantly like it would just be like any little thing would go i'll just fucking kill all of us like that was his go-to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gigi comes home from school with like a C minus. Fucking right. Yeah, I'm gonna kill you and all of us. <laughs> Luckily, it never comes to that. Uh, he doesn't even have the family that long. But okay. Um, so notably, uh, in his later writings, Gigi would state that his father had gone into their basement. They had an unfinished dirt floor basement, and he brought Gigi down one day in like a fit of like religious ecstasy mixed with rage, and was just like. Check this out. And he had dug four graves, like, for the family in the basement and was just like, you know, one of these days, like. Hey, Gigi. <laughs> come here. I want while you, while you were at school, come, come over here. I want to see what you was doing today. He all just brings him down the stairs. He's just pointing at him. He's like, yeah. Well, so this is uh, when Gigi is, like, three or four. Like, he's like, you're fucking little. like this shit? <laughs> and so he, like, brings him down and he's just like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kill you and your mother and brother one day. And then I'm going to fucking kill myself and I'm going to bury the three of you and then I'm going to jump into my grave and kill myself and and just so you know and he was far like, out okay, dad cool you know okay, um <laughs> so arlita uh Gigi's mother attempted escape several times but um whenever she did this marl senior would just like grab one of the boys and hold him hostage until she agreed to stay um she did finally succeed in 1961 um taking her sons and she filed for divorce um, and she moved away and then ended up meeting someone new and finally moved to uh, East St. Johnsbury, Vermont in 1966. Okay. Um, before Gigi's first year of school, which would have been in 1962, uh, his mom had his name legally changed to Kevin Michael Allen, um, hoping to save him from the mockery of his fellow students. Uh, it's a yeah, smart move. Yeah. It didn't work because he was already like just like a fucked up kid and just was insane right from the get-go. But yeah, the name Gigi did stick. Uh, the nickname. Okay, but did Jesus Christ stick? No. Okay, good. But you'll see. Um, the The idea, it never really goes away. Okay. <laughs> um, so the rest of his childhood would be pretty nuts. Uh, he attends most of high school wearing women's clothing, um, which is, you know, nowadays, like, not a big deal. But um, yeah. Or maybe it still is to in some areas and to some people, but it's certainly gaining more traction. Like, kids can wear whatever they want. But... You know, this yeah. is this is the seventies, so um, he was making kind of a spectacle of himself, um, and he claimed he was inspired by the New York Dolls. Who I don't know if you were ever into the New York Dolls, but they sort of started that whole like glam hair cross dressing thing. You know, whatever. Yeah, whatever you yeah, I never call really, never um, listened. 
I mean, the New York Dolls rule, so you should. But. Mm-hmm. Um, and he claims, you know, later would claim that he basically spent his early years just stealing, fighting, breaking into people's houses and cars and robbing them and selling drugs and doing drugs and basically all the good shit that, you know, a bad kid can get into. Yeah, just some small town fun. Yeah, just just really just bonding and with just the, some Twin Peaks style fun with the other troubled young men in his small Vermont community. Um, so during these formative years, he also discovered a love for music. Um, he was first really into the British Invasion, like Mott the Hoople and shit like that. Yeah. Um, and then he discovered Alice Cooper. You know, so like this sort of like um, shock rock thing. You know, where it's yeah. like fake guillotines on stage and the spectacle. But then he also got into early punk bands, um, especially the Stooges and the Ramones, who the yep. Ramones end up being like his favorite band. Because, I mean, think about it. The Ramones at the time, like pretty fucking rad. And like, you can't really do much better than that sound, you know, like before yeah. punk is like a huge big thing. Like they just they just rule. Um, he also loved country music, particularly Hank Williams and other like outsider country performers, like outlaw style country, like Merle Haggard. Um, and he actually would go on to record a country album later in his career. And I think I'm going to close the episode with like my favorite, uh, Gigi Allen yep. country song. Um, and I'll be honest, that album is like actually pretty good. Like, yeah. <laughs> here's, and so here's the thing. I'm just going to like do a disclaimer and stop right here. Cause we're going to talk a lot about him getting into music and whatever. Um, for all the awful things that he did and like how like divisive he was, um, Gigi Allen's got some really fucking killer music. <laughs> like he was, he was not, he was a talented guy. Like yeah, he, and he was a prolific songwriter, and um, all the stage antics and the personal life shit. You know, I tend to be someone who finds it kind of hard to separate those things from like enjoyment of an artist. Uh, yeah, you got you got to separate the art from the artist. Sure. Like, generally, generally speaking, I think it's totally okay to like. Yeah. Like being that shit, you know. I like uh, you know, for instance, uh, going back to episode 3, like I love Mayhem. Yeah. You know, what I mean, I don't uh I don't like Burzum, but I don't like Burzum just cuz it's Varg Vickerness. Yeah, I don't like Burzum cuz it sucks ass. Yeah. <laughs> but like Mayhem if was it was great. good, I would have no problem listening to it. And you know, if you're a fan of Black Metal, you're going to kind of you're going to find your way to some very yeah. questionable bands. Right. And so you've got, like, two guys like us who are, like, <laughs> super, like, anti-fascist, anti-Nazi dudes. We also yeah. like black metal. You're going to toe that fucking line. You yeah. Know yeah, the, I mean? yeah. A lot of bands I like in black metal would probably hate me just because mm-hmm. I'm a communist. Yeah. Know? Absolutely. Yeah, we wouldn't be friends with most of those guys. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, fucking. like, dude, fucking, like, like I like Nocmistium, and they claim that they... <laughs> I had no idea, but they were on like an NSBM label at one point, and uh, they were all wicked dopeheads. So I could totally be, uh, yeah. I could totally believe that they were just so high they didn't give a shit. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, it's it's slipper. It's a slippery slope, right? And all that yeah, to say is. that like, Gigi Allen's got some fucking rippers. Like if you're a punk <laughs> yeah. music fan, um, or even frankly a country music fan, like if you listen to a lot of his shit, you're gonna be like, wow, like. This is not, we're not talking about like a Varg Vikernes style thing. Like, we're not talking about Burzum. This dude put out some seriously fucking classic music. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I also actually meant to say the reason that we're talking about Gigi is because, uh, for whatever reason, Varg remains our most downloaded episode. <laughs> and so when we were trying to like scramble to figure out, like, okay, well, like, what would be a cool episode to do this week? To easily put together. <laughs> to easily put together, right? Something that yeah. we can like talk about, but that isn't going to be another movie episode, because um, Evan's got some huge projects on his plate right now that are just like yeah. taking time, and um, but they're going to be sick. 
And yep. so we were like, okay, we need one more. And I was like, I'll do it. Fuck it. I got free yeah. time. So we dive in and, and I'm like, well, people fucking love Varg. People keep listening to Varg. And I'm like, who's like another rock and roll dude who's like everybody's heard of. Everybody's heard Maybe of. Maybe not like, everybody knows everything. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I'm down to like go down the rabbit hole on this right. fucking absolute inhuman freak. <laughs> and then it hit me. I was like, oh, dude, fucking Gigi <laughs> Allen. Like, yeah. Then, yeah. Immediately. I was like, yep. <laughs> if anything, he's like, he's like at least as depraved as Varg and just and just as, as, as in, at least as interesting if not as a person he's way more interesting I would say <laughs> um, so anyway all right. Um, so he then gets involved in the underground hardcore scene, um, in the early eighties. Now he's still located in New Hampshire in the East coast, but notably he like never gets in with the East coast hardcore scene. Like he never, never like NYHC shit. Yeah. He never gets in with the, the DC hardcore scene, the New York hardcore scene. He's never playing with like agnostic front or bad brains. Like he's, he's, he thinks all those guys are posers and they're not even all famous yet at this point, but they're too famous for Gigi Allen. And he starts to develop this idea that, like, if you get any sort of fame or you get a record deal and you're making any kind of money, uh, you're a fucking poser and a loser and you're what's wrong with music. Um, yep. That obviously will start to shift when he gets more notoriety. He, he weirdly <laughs> won't have a problem with that. Uh, but anybody else getting successful, he's like, a, he's a fucking hater. He's just a hater. Yeah, he yeah, did. yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. And, you know, if you've <laughs> ever been... Uh, a musician playing local shows and shit yeah. like that. You Obviously not people. to this extent, but the amount of people that you meet that are everybody else is a poser but them. Right. And then they kind of start doing the shit within just a couple of years that they were always calling people out for. Yeah. Like they are fucking a dime a dozen. <laughs> Dude, any yeah, any kind of underground, especially like in the extreme music, but you see it a lot in hip hop yeah. too. Like any kind of underground music style um, where there is an underground scene, you're going to see that. You're going to see people who are just like, totally willing to call everyone else out and for some reason believe that they are like the last bastion of purity and whatever genre yeah. they espouse and um it's just all fucking catcher bullshit. in the rye shit right yeah you, you <laughs> hopefully grow out of that you know <laughs> i hope there aren't too many 30 year old crust punks walking around like i just really hope that's not hey man you've been to new bedford lately <laughs> that's true that's true new bedford is the capital of crust <laughs> Uh, like fucking see, seeing people with their chopped off dreadlocks attached yeah. to their belt loops. I have seen that. That is the yeah, dirtiest. Dude. That is we the saw dirtiest that together, thing. Dude. Yeah, he had his own dreads that he had cut off, but he kept them because he's like, "Well, I'm not gonna. I don't want them on my head anymore." But I'm, you know, I'm not gonna grow them for a long time. Yeah, it's it it my dirty hair. Like I'm keeping it. <laughs> um, 
So he starts getting into this scene, and, and he would often uh, collaborate with his older brother, Merle, who's a bass player. Um, and actually, yeah. Gigi uh, initially is a drummer. Um, mm-hmm. And he plays on a bunch of, like, shitty little punk and, like, early hardcore LPs. Um, and then slowly transitions to vocals when he realizes that he's got, like, a real talent for just whipping up a crowd. And he can, like, he's not like, a, I wouldn't call him a good singer, but, like, he's he's not terrible. Like, again, we're not talking about, like, a Varg yeah. Vickerness here. Like, you're going to listen to some of his shit because I'll be playing it throughout the episode. There's yeah. some legit like punk classics here. Like he he was he was doing it. He was a great punk frontman. Um, so early years performing in the Manchester, New Hampshire scene, uh, he was in a band called the Cedar Street Sluts. Um, nice. That game That's a him. good name. Yeah, it's a That's great a name. fucking good ass name. <laughs> oh, all of his bands have great names. Yeah. Um, so the Cedar Street Sluts. Uh, he gains a reputation. Um, for just like wild live shows and he starts recording a bunch of like shitty independent demos and stuff um during this time and i just sort of put this in because i figure you should mention it but it doesn't really come up much in his story because he just like doesn't give a fuck about these people later in life um he was married to a woman named sandra farrow in 1978 so he was like 56 so he was 20 and he got married um and then divorced her in 1985 because his life just like started fucking spiraling out of control um, yep. and then sometime in the mid 80s uh he began seeing an underage girl named tracy denault or denul uh in texas um eventually conceiving a child with her named nico and denul or denault um who's still alive but has completely distanced herself from her family and her father's legacy for probably good reason yeah um so we'll fast forward a little bit by the mid to late 80s um he's basically like a barely functioning alcoholic and drug addict um in 1987, a compilation of various like out-of-print recordings that he had made was sort of compiled by a record label um, yep. and, and put together into an album called Hated in the Nation, which is a, a classic, classic G.G. Allen record. Um, and this would be the first like compiled recording that would bring him into the sort of broader national conversation, like at least in, in underground music circles. So yep. hated in the nation. It's it's cassette only, and it starts just getting traded and making its way around. And people are like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And you can see yeah. on the cover of it, you know. Um, and I'm assuming we'll have some sort of image of him as our episode image. He had by now, oh, yeah. by the late '80s, developed his like classic Gigi Allen look. So he's got yeah. this like thick black like Fu Manchu mustache yeah. and this like big little goatee. Yeah. Big shades, crazy hair, crazy headdress covered in tattoos and just looks like someone that you wouldn't want to fuck with. Like he just has developed this image. Um, if you look at his first album, he's got this like Jerry curl. It's like very like early eighties. And then you go yeah. to this album and you're just like, Holy shit. Like this is a hard fucking dude. Yeah. Um, and he really was like, that's the thing. Like he really was gnarly. Yeah. Um, so he had come to sort of adopt this like, nebulous, uh, aggressively anti-record label, anti-conformity, like, underground scene uh, as his own personal tribe. And so throughout the notes, you'll see I call, like, the underground scene, I do it in all caps, because, like, to him it was, like, it wasn't just, oh, you know, underground music. It was the underground. It was this sort of, it became this almost, like, pseudo-religious idea in his mind. Um, And he had this idea of leading this sort of group of of disaffected youth uh, towards some sort of like violent, apocalyptic, uh, musical promised land where where, um, they would destroy the record labels and like 
I don't know. It's very, it's very kind of all over the place. I'm going to read his manifesto to you later, but <laughs> it's not a very concise idea, but it's starting to sort of build right now. This idea of like the underground as a movement, as opposed to just like a term for outsider music. Yeah. People that haven't made it or, you know, aren't trying to. Right. Yeah. Um, and so accompanying this this ideology, it be, his live, st- live show starts to get, like, increasingly bananas. Like, he just starts yeah. going fucking crazy live. Um, and anybody who's been to, like, a metal show or a hardcore show or whatever knows that there's, there's a certain potential for violence in some capacity, whether it's, you know, just like a yeah. fight or the pit gets too crazy. Um, and sometimes it gets worse than that. But for the most part, like, you can rest assured that you're not going to, like get seriously injured at one of these shows unless an accident happens yeah Um, yeah. but he took this to a whole new level so he started doing this thing where he would routinely open his shows by smashing himself in the face with the butt of his own microphone um and he had done this so many times that he had you know just scar tissue on his forehead so it would just explode like in blood like he could just make himself bleed really easily and so he would start his show by just busting open his own forehead and bleeding all over his face so you can imagine this fucking insane looking dude blood pouring down his face just fucking screaming at you um and he would just smear it all over himself he'd rub it on the audience he'd rub it all over his own body right i mean this is the this is the 80s dude like this is a strange dirty heroin addict rubbing his blood on you like (laughs) it's rough um it would get worse um better not have any uh open cuts on your own face right well so he would actually himself run into trouble with that um unsatisfied with blood he began incorporating other bodily fluids into his act he would piss on stage obviously or into the audience um, and drink his own piss but he would also uh sometime around 1985 he discovered that if he loaded up on laxatives before a show uh, and then just held like just fought the effects for long enough uh he could basically just like unload explosive diarrhea the second he walked (laughs) on stage and he would at this point he was performing mostly like naked or just in women's panties so like he could just walk out and just fucking blast diarrhea all over the stage. That would be like the first thing that he did. <laughs> Dude, so, so that uh, that reminds me of a story about the Dillinger escape plan. Oh, sure. One of the first shows that Greg uh, Greg Pucciato played with them. Yes. It was at some like music festival. Yeah. And with just like, a, you know, this is like still like pretty early Dillinger when they were just like completely fucking insane. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he... It was, you know, music festival with a lot of a lot of bands and like acts that were nowhere even close to like Dillinger in this. Yeah, and he it was like, I think plastic. it was like grass pop or something. It was some like like yeah like Netherlands rock festival. It wasn't any crazy or it was like download or something. It was some, yeah like, yeah I think maybe download or something. Yeah. yeah, and he just takes a plastic bag and just during the set just shits into it and whips it around and just like starts whipping it into the crowd telling everybody that this is like basically like what all of the rest of the acts playing yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. This is oh my god. And so I I actually I didn't mention it in the notes here but uh, a lot of artists take a lot of inspiration from Gigi and Greg Pusciato is a good example. Yeah. So maybe not in personal ideology because I think he's like a pretty legit dude. Yeah, but, yeah, I think yeah. Um, he also dated Jenna Hayes for a while, which takes like a <laughs> set of brass balls to date like one of the most famous porn stars in the world and just like be okay with it. I mean, yeah, dude, I can't even imagine shitting on stage at the small-ass shows that I had played. Yeah. If I had, like, there would be no way. Like, yeah, probably takes balls. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, Greg Pusciato would also, like, make his, make, make himself bleed and stuff and, like, do Yeah, they would, like, whip shit. symbols into the crowd. Yeah. Fucking, I mean, dude, like, Ben Wyman plays with uh, suicidal tendencies now. I know, yeah. He's in his, like, 40s, and he's still jumping off, like, the yeah. stacks and everything like that. Yeah. There's there's something about that band. They were just always, like, 
the craziest fucking act. I regret that I never saw them live. Yeah, I know. Were you there at the show where we were going to see them? But it was, I think, a Metal Fest or maybe Summer Slaughter or something like that. Mm. And they were the headlining band. And they were my favorite band in high school. Yeah. And that was the only time that I, like, we went there. But we all got so fucked up throughout the day in the pit. And we're all just, like, hobbled. And, I might have like, been drunk. at that show. Yeah. yeah, and we were finally like, I think it was Hatebreed played before them or something. Yeah, I was at and that show. And we were like, we're not staying for Hatebreed, we're fucking leaving. Yeah, and like, I even was then, at that I show. was like so beat up. I was just like, I like, I can see them another Because we had seen Between gone. the Buried and Me that same night, and you got fucked up in the pit. And we were also yeah. all completely fucked up. Yeah, I got, and then, I, yeah. I got, like, crowd-killed by, like, somebody's foot into the head, like, three yeah. times. And we realized, like, that if Between the Buried and Me is pit was that crazy and then hate breed who i don't like but they had yeah, an insane pit and then we yeah. were like there's no way we'll even make it through dillinger we're just gonna get killed like we just aren't yeah. equipped for this right now yeah we left i was there i was at that yeah. show and i regret it because yeah, i also well mainly i regret that we got so fucked up that we couldn't fucking hang because yeah. it would have been awesome to see dillinger i know but uh, so anyway uh, what can you do i think that was around yeah. the time like ireworks came out was that like yeah, 2011, yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. yeah um where did i leave off oh yeah he was pooping um so I, I, I got i got it right there yeah um so he would also he would generally not only would he shit on stage but he would then smear his body yep. with shit mix it with his blood and then also throw poop at the audience um and you would think that this would make people kind of not want to go see him hey do you want to go to the show where you're gonna have some dude piss and shit all over you yeah yeah Nah. and then it may be more as things progress um jesus oh yeah no it gets worse um yeah no but people not only did it not have that effect but like it had the opposite effect he started to gain like a fan base like he started to get a lot of kids who were really fucking into him and who would go to these shows knowing like yo this dude's about to shit his pants on stage like let's go like let's go yeah. see this i want i want to be in the splash zone yeah <laughs> right <laughs> ponchos for the first two for the first two front rows yeah it's like going to a blue man group show yeah exactly <laughs> Which, if you haven't done, I went a couple I have. times when I was yeah. a kid. It's fucking sick. I went once in high school, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I don't know if I would like it as much now, but when I was like 11 or 12, I thought it was pretty sweet. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I was like 14, I was like, this fucking rocks, hell yeah. But yeah. like now, like, oh, no. Who knows? Who knows? Might be worth it. I don't know. Um, So he was also, uh, this is just like a random aside, but he was also obsessed with serial killers. Um, And so during this point, he started corresponding with John Wayne Gacy. Um, and he would go on to visit him several times in prison. And he yeah. actually, John Wayne Gacy painted him a portrait, um, which would later serve as the album cover for Hated, Gigi Allen, and the Murder Junkies, which is the accompanying yeah. album 
for a documentary that we'll talk about in a little bit. And I actually think one yeah. time maybe you and I could watch this documentary for like yeah. a later uh, movie episode. I haven't seen it. I've seen clips from it, um, but I just didn't have time, like in the time frame, to watch it before making this episode. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he began touring nationally nearly constantly. Um, famously, he just like toured all the time. Yeah. And was known for basically only stopping touring um, when he was incarcerated, which became increasingly okay. common because he would assault people at his shows or yeah. you know, be arrested for a public indecency or whatever. Um, or when he was seriously injured, which is also, you know, he would break bones and shit constantly. Um, yeah. One thing that happened a lot because he would cut himself and then rub shit all over himself. Oh, would, God. Jesus. Yeah, he gave himself blood poisoning. Yeah, he'd get like um, sepsis. Yeah, Fuck. he gave himself blood poisoning um, pretty seriously, like multiple times just by rubbing poop into open wounds. Which, not recommended. I yeah. warned you at the start of the show, guys. I mean, I'm just saying, like, this is a dirty, fucking gross person who did fucking awful things. Um, <clears throat> oh, and did I mention that he would, at this point, do basically just any fucking drug? Uh, I would imagine if he's doing all these <laughs> other things, he got all the pain somehow. Sure. Um, so at this point, he's chugging, chugging whiskey, literally from the second he wakes up till the second he goes to sleep. Jim Beam, Jack Daniels. Um... But he would also famously do any drug that you put in front of him. Crack, pills, coke, heroin. Literally doesn't matter. He'll fucking do it. Like, yeah. And then be like, what was that? Um, it's probably a safe bet at this point to say that mental illness ran in his family. I mean, I'm no expert. Um, and there would later be some like analysis of him when he gets arrested. Um, Court-mandated psychoanalysis that would determine that he's got like pretty serious like borderline personality disorder and uh, oh, no incredible masochistic tendencies, and some real yeah. some real stuff going on. Um, yeah. But it's it's pretty clear that his wild lifestyle and behavior and rampant drug use likely contributed to his increasingly feral behavior and um, a worsening of his mental state. What did so so I think it's funny too. Like just like on the flip side of it, you have like Lemmy. Uh, sure. from Motorhead, yeah. who, like, famously drank a like 750 a of Jack Daniels every single day until the day he died. Yeah, like in his 70s. And he lived into his mid-70s. He was also, he, he was did like, speed until the day he died, too. Yeah, too, yeah. Unashamed about day. doing meth until the day he fucking died. Yeah, and yeah, dude, the fucking, an entire bottle of Jack Daniels whiskey. Yeah. And he's, like, 75, and yeah. he's just still going fine, totally fine. Yeah. And that's <laughs> at like, least. Yeah. That was his baseline. That was his, like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just having my day. Yeah, I mean, honestly, by the time you're, like, 70, if it hasn't killed you yet, it's like, why would you stop? Like, yeah, fucking... I think that was his thought. He's like, fuck it. Speed's awesome. I'm just going to keep Can't fucking. Can't kill me yet. I'm just going to keep doing meth and drinking whiskey. It's worked for me so far. Yep. <laughs> um, so I want to kind of dive back into his sort of personal belief structure because I think it's kind of interesting. And we mentioned it a little bit. Um, but he had this obsession with the idea of peaking or reaching your peak. Yeah. Um, and so he firmly believed that each person, specifically himself, because I don't think he actually really gave a fuck about other people. He's on record yeah. multiple times just saying, like, I fucking hate every other person on the planet and I will do whatever I can to hurt or kill you. Like, he's yeah. he's not really concerned with other people, but he's got this idea that he um, is going to at some point reach, like, a crowning moment in his life where he's going to achieve the the absolute height of whatever he was meant for. Um, and then after achieving that precise peak, your life is essentially meaningless because it's all downhill from there. There's no, you'll never reachieve that highest point. And so he kind of yeah. became obsessed with identifying that point in himself, um, which is already a dark thought. 
But when you yep. consider that to him, his purpose on earth was to spread destruction and bring about the total annihilation of the status quo through just wanton violence and debauchery, it kind of takes yep. on a whole new meaning. Um, and so this is when the suicide threats begin. Uh, and this is one of the most talked about parts of his legacy. Um, and it yep. all begins in the late 80s when he sends a letter uh, to Maximum Rock and Roll magazine, where he states that he's going to kill himself on stage on Halloween night. I think yep. that's like 88 or 89, but the timeline gets a little hazy. I, I think I might have fucked up a few dates. But it's in the late yep. 80s, and he sends that letter. And so this threat um, would then be interrupted by jail time. Um, he gets arrested for indecency for Halloween. He's not able to kill himself. But he continues making these threats. And then over, yep. the, over the course of his career, like the late 80s and early 90s, he keeps making these threats, and it just keeps being interrupted by him getting arrested. And... Slowly, people start to get this idea. They're like, ah, fuck it. Like, he's just going to say this every year. He's never going to do it. He's just yeah. He's just a more extreme Alice Cooper. He's just a, a more extreme shock rock guy who's just trying to sell records. Fuck him, right? But yeah. a lot of his close fans are like, nah, man. He's going to fucking do it. You know? It starts to get more and more believable to them. Um, it's also during this later period that he shows an even more aggressive edge and sexual and physical battery um, become more and more uh, apparent at his gigs. Yeah. So, as I said, for a while now, he'd basically been performing either totally naked or just in, like, cowboy boots and fucking women's underwear. Um, and not that it matters, but he does have a micro penis. Um, you can that see is, it in a lot dude, of... I, yeah. I was wondering, it's like there's one of two things. He either has a massive hog or, like... Nothing. No, fully erect. He had like a like an inch and a half or a two inch deck. He had a tiny oh my penis. God. Um, which never really seemed to bother him. Like that's the thing. Like he was never like one of these guys. Maybe he was internally, but like it seems sort of like he just didn't fucking care because he would just. I mean, he everybody knew he didn't fucking care. Yeah. Um. And so what he would start to do, um, he would grab people out of the audience, men, women, didn't really matter to him. Um. And he would force them to perform fellatio or other acts Jesus. on him while he performed. Um, yep. Some people were obviously willing to do this. Others were obviously less so. And so it became really frequent that he would get into really violent physical altercations with men, women, you know, young people at his shows. Um, and keep in mind, this is a dude yeah. covered in blood and shit on his dick, too, um, shoving his penis in your mouth in the middle of the AIDS epidemic. Like, he just didn't fucking care. He had no regard for anybody's safety, his own least of all. And he was just willing to, you know, I don't fucking know, yeah, <laughs> do crazy shit. Um, he also claimed that he raped, like actually raped multiple people at his shows. Now, I guess, uh, I guess by his standards, the forced fellatio doesn't count as rape. I think he was talking about like actual like penetrative intercourse. Um, yeah. Obviously, to, to us, all of this is rape, but. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah, no, for sure. This is all rape yeah, yeah. at this point, yeah. But I think he's talking about like, you know more than that um but due to the extent of how underground a lot of these shows are it's not like there's a ton of video evidence and it's not like people were you know like cops and stuff were taking these people super seriously at the time so it's kind of shady like there's not a whole amount of actual proof as to like how intense the sexual violence actually got at his shows but it's suffice it to say that it was um there was a certain degree of it and you know yeah. no amount of that is good or okay right so yeah yeah um <clears throat> So as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, he didn't end up killing himself on Halloween. Um, and the year 1989, he ends up going to jail. Um, he's on trial. And eventually he ends up in prison serving 15 months for that brutal assault on Leslie Morgan. Yeah. Uh, and jail was a pretty intense time for Gigi Allen. 
rather than giving him a chance to like clear his head and reflect on all of his actions and like find Jesus or whatever. I mean, he is Jesus, but um, he's, he's basically like a caged animal just pacing back and forth. He's getting more and more like crazed and amped up. Um, He's able to like score drugs in prison, obviously. So he doesn't get clean. (laughs) Um, And, reportedly according to his own correspondence he spent basically the entire time just writing new lyrics watching movies and just constantly masturbating like just non-stop and in one of his letters he talks about how his penis is beginning to callous and scab over oh, from like f- yeah how constantly he's just jerking off um so while in prison i thought this was kind of an interesting story he actually gets visited by these two young guys who are like in this these up-and-coming bands and they're yeah. like oh we're big fans we're big fans and they walk in, and it's, like, these two, like, you know, young, pretty boy types and all dressed in rock and roll 90s clothes. And um, he sees these two guys, and he's just like, who the fuck are you? And he tells them to, like, get the fuck out of here. He starts calling them, you know, the F slur. Uh, yeah. You guys look like a couple of like a, a couple of F words who are just looking to get their dick sucked. Like, get the fuck out of here, spitting at them, swearing at them. Um, and it's Kurt Cobain and the and the drummer for the Flaming Lips, Nathan Roberts. I can't they imagine tried to visit him. anybody from the Flaming Lips thinking that this would have been Dude, a good idea. It's, like, it's hysterical, but they thought like, oh, it's like he's, the he's so lips. cool. Like, God let's go damn, see him. Dude. And this dude immediately is just like, fuck you. Like, I don't want yeah. anything to do with you. Your bands are probably shitty. Get the fuck out of here. Um, and so, uh, so here's the thing. He's got this like really insane inflated self view, but he also like, isn't at all susceptible to like people like blowing smoke up his ass. Like he's really not interested in his fans. He doesn't fucking care. Like he doesn't want people to idolize him. He's clearly got this idea of himself, but like doesn't want adoration from other people. It's like a really weird combination. You'd expect someone like this who seems like a total egomaniac to really thrive on that kind of attention like oh yeah of course worship me but like no he was just like fuck everyone else i literally i actually hate everyone and uh i only care about me i'm just gonna do awful shit until i die yeah (laughs) so fair enough um (laughs) so he would also at this point he would be receiving like magazine clippings and or like photocopied magazine articles and uh, news from visitors and stuff and he was getting more and more like upset and disillusioned with the state of music um a big example for him he hates like all these big arena rock bands that are huge i can imagine sure um so like guns and roses is a real example um he called them guns and posers um wow good good one Gigi. i know um (laughs) fucking zinger dude (laughs) but particularly infuriating to him is that he learns at this point that the ramones who are like his favorite band ever are kind of cozying up to gnr because they're trying to get on that tour it's the use your illusion tour and they're just like fuck it let's let us open for you and yeah. So at this point, he's just like, fuck the Ramones, fuck everyone. When I get out of here, I'm just going to blow this shit straight to fucking hell. And so sometime in 91, prior to his release, he pens his manifesto, um, which at this point, I don't know. Do you think I have time to just read the whole fucking thing? Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah I'm just going to yeah, read it. Cause fucking of course you're going to read the whole thing. We haven't quoted him directly um, much in this episode, and I feel like this manifesto will give you, like, just the clearest sense of who this guy was. Well, you know, here's the thing. Like, when somebody writes a manifesto, that's the number one way. Every single person that's done it, you can tell this person is highly swag, very, very uh, well integrated into society. They got all their thoughts well. You know, these are the people... (laughs) These are the Ted Kaczynski's of the world. Yeah, you know, the, the real movers yeah. and shakers. 
who are really gonna <laughs> uh, are, blow up on the scene. The 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 kind of folks that go to like Columbine. These are the people who've really figured out what they want from life. It's it's you're you're so right, Evan. And I think <laughs> nowhere will that be more apparent uh, than in the manifesto of Gigi Allen. Yeah. Um, so without further ado. If you the don't technological mind. technological revolution and its effects have been a disaster for the human... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's nowhere near as, as intelligently written or coherent as that. It's it's, Ugh. But it is wild. So here we go. Yeah. Now, he actually had like a, this really like rustic New Hampshire accent. Um, so I might try to do that a little bit. <laughs> okay, yeah. And it's kind yeah, of funny. We hear interviews with him. Are you like, going to sound yeah. like you're from the lighthouse? I don't fucking know. What makes a timber man? Nah, I probably won't. I'll just read it. Why did you spill your beans? Um, yeah. Why did you spill your beans? <laughs> All right. Don't ever trust authority. Pigs, parents, and our society. You got to play by your own set of Fuck the law, fuck the law, fuck the law Burn the beers Mr. Pigman, you are nothing Nothing Concealed behind your badge Always snorting out lies and deceit if you believe in the real underground of rock and roll, then now is the time to do something about it. The time is now to overthrow the current situations and declare war on the record companies, radio stations, publications, clubs, and anyone who promotes the whole so-called scene as it now stands. We need to destroy it all and take it back from the corporate phonies and conformists. But action must be taken now and blood must be spilled. First, let me tell you who I am. I was born Jesus Christ Allen in 1956 in Lancaster, New Hampshire. The Jesus Christ they preach about in the Bible is a phony imposter. Just, for the, just a crutch for the cripples to lean on. Fuck that weak shit. I am the man to deal with. I created myself inside the womb from the fires of hell. There are no separations between Jesus Christ, God, and the devil, because I am all of them. I am here to take rock and roll back and prove to the world that I am the real king through the powers I have acquired. When I was born in 1956, rock and roll first started taking off. Why do you think that was? Because I created it. I created Elvis. I made it all happen. Even before I was born, I was plotting. But through the years, everyone has let it all go. That's why I am ready to take it all back. Nobody has held on. Nobody has had the endurance to finish what they were set out to fucking do. They all let me down, or I took their lives for a purpose. I was the one who was throwing all the monkey wrenches into the gears. But money and commercialism made them all sell out. Even Iggy let me down. The Sex Pistols let me down. Sid let me down when he fell in love. That's why they're all dead. And now we have the Ramones praising bands like Guns N' Roses, which runs against everything they were set out to destroy. But now it's 1991. This is the decade for the final bloody mutilation. 
Time to get rock and roll out of the hands of the masses and back to the people who will not accept comfort or conformity at any cost. Then I will commit suicide on stage, and the blood of rock and roll will become the poison of the universe forever. Take a look around and see what's happening. Spineless record companies kissing the mainstream ass, being pressured by the money media and politicians. So-called cutting-edge radio stations as fucking lame as the stations they oppose. Censorship publications kissing the monkey suits asses who in turn are kissing someone else's ass. Even so-called underground publications have no fucking desire to get blood on their hands. They are too busy crying about how we can make the world a more wonderful place and how politically correct they can be. Well, talk is fucking cheap. It's time to fight. It's time for revenge. We need to overthrow rock and roll as it now stands. We must bring down record companies by not buying their products. A boycott. If you have to have a record, steal it. That way they won't get your money. We've got to stop feeding them. Your support must now go to me, G.G. Allen, the commanding leader and terrorist of rock and roll. Why do you think I'm in prison right now? Because they know who I am and they fear my reality. Our society wants to stop my mission. They want to brainwash you and keep you locked into MTV and their stagnating safe worlds. It's a plot to kill rock and roll. I am the savior. That's why I am a considered <laughs> that's why I am considered a threat to society. This is what you should do. Go to your record store and buy all the GG Allen recordings you can find. If they don't have any in stock, tell them to order some. If they refuse, then do what you have to do. Call radio stations and demand GG Allen. Spray paint GG Allen everywhere. Make them aware that the disease and the scumfuck tradition is still spreading. Write G.G. Allen on all your dollar bills. Any bills you have. People do not throw money away, so it would be a free way to get the message out. You must do it every day of your life. We must live for rock and roll underground. It can be dark and dangerous again. It can be threatening to our society as it was meant to be. It must be uncompromising. And with me as your leader, it will happen. I am ready to lead you, allies, into the real rock and roll underground. Let's get started. G.G. Allen, 1991. <laughs> that guy's a fucking idiot. Yeah, he's crazy. And it, so, like, here's the thing, man. People are, are, at this point I mentioned, like, people are starting to talk about, like, this dude's just trying to market himself. And, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Write yeah. my name everywhere. <laughs> Write it on every dollar bill you have. Buy like, all my buy albums. Buy all my albums. But don't buy other albums. Steal them. Fuck the record companies. But yeah, steal my albums. albums. But fucking buy mine, guy. <laughs> So I don't know, man. He's definitely gone kind of like full Messiah complex. And yeah. um, I think he actually believed that he was like the leader of some sort of legitimate underground movement. Um, either way, he's decided that it's his mission to sacrifice his flesh and blood for the future of punk rock and some sort of weird record industry Armageddon. So let's see what that looked like. So he gets released from prison. <laughs> And uh, he immediately skips parole and goes on tour, right. <laughs> which, like, I mean, that's pretty rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this tour is the tour that's documented in that documentary I mentioned, Hated, G.G. Allen and the Murder Junkies. Um, I've only seen clips, but he absolutely fucks shit up on this tour. Like, he's been in jail for almost a year and a half, and he's just, like, doing all his shit, but, like, crazier than ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he would also go on to be on TV, like, on several 
really fucking insane interviews during this period. Um, so he goes on Geraldo Rivera's talk show, which uh, by the time you hear this, I'm actually starting the episode with that. So you will have heard it um, yep. or a part of it. But he, just to give you a, an idea, um, he's wearing an actual vintage Nazi stormtrooper helmet, uh, a leather jacket, short shorts, and pink cowboy boots. Um, and Geraldo asks why he poops on stage. That's his first question. And he's like, yeah, my body is a sacrament. Uh, my bodily fluids uh, are a sacrament for the people, whether they want it or not. And I'm not here to entertain anybody. I'm here to fucking annihilate. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, he's it's, it's insane. Um, so you'll hear it. <laughs> um, and his stage persona has now like fully evolved into a legitimate personal mythology. Um, and so I mentioned before, like he's just he's now fully encompassed in this idea of like strengthening his soul through acts of violence, um, so that when he dies at his peak, when he kills himself, his his invulnerable strong soul will enter the afterlife prepared for whatever. Um, it's like a very red dragon thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, or, sorry. This is me. Uh, this is me changing. Do you see? <laughs> Do you see? And then he's just covered in shit yeah. and blood. This is me changed. Do you see? <laughs> Dude, that is one of the spookiest scenes ever. When he's got a uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in the yeah, fucking yeah. chair, and he's like, "This is yeah, the, this the, is... the like old style like a uh, wooden wheelchair." Yeah. And like, he's this just is Mrs. Johnson. The, the slideshow, and he's putting the fucking shards of glass in their eyes. Yeah. This or is Mrs. Johnson before then... her change. Do you see? Yeah. This is Mrs. Johnson changing. Do you see? Yeah. This is Mrs. Johnson changed. Do you see? Like, and he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I see, I see. And then he's yeah. like, you know, like, I'll write whatever you want. And then he's like, there's only one more thing you must do. And he just bites his fucking nose off. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> so at this point, he also begins dating a, a young girl named Liz Mankowski, who's 17. Um and she's actually in his – he goes on Jerry Springer. Um, and then he also goes on the Jane Whitney show. Um, the Jane Whitney interview, uh, I'm going to include here. We're going to hear an excerpt of it um, because it would it end up being his final interview. Our first guest, Gigi Allen, has been called the most violent man in rock and roll. Some of what you're about to hear may not be suitable for children. Also, four nights after Gigi Allen taped this broadcast, he gave his last concert here in New York. As usual, his performance was fraught with the onstage violence that had become his trademark. The next day, Gigi Allen was found dead. A police investigation is underway into the cause of his death, but a drug overdose is suspected. What follows is Gigi Allen's last interview. Parental discretion is strongly advised. This rock musician says he has more power over your children than you do. That's such a, a fierce, intense fire burning inside of me. It just was, was so much that just wants to explode. Gigi Allen brags he's on his way to becoming the leader, the messiah for America's youth. He already claims to have a million followers. Wherever he goes, he plays to sell out crowds. And this is what they see. Concerts filled with violence, bloodshed, and sexual assault. Gigi Allen wants to lead America's young people in a bloody revolution to take over the country. And he says nothing can be done to stop him. Why is that, Gigi? Nobody will stop me because I am the true underground messiah. 
When you come to my show, you're going to a war. And I'm out for violence, chaos, un lawlessness all the way. I don't care about anybody or anything except for myself and my mission. And your kids out there, if you've got kids out there, they're going to be my kids. I'm going to own those kids. They're going to do anything that I say. And why is that? Why do they do anything you say? Because I'm the king, and they can identify with me because the real, true, nonconformist children in this country are sick and tired of their parents, their schools, their people force-feeding them what to do. I am the answer. When they listen to my lyrics and they listen to my songs, they're listening to the way okay. that it really should be, and you know that, and I know that, so don't brain because your kids are my kids all right let me i don't mean any disrespect here i had never heard of you before we were going to do this show okay and i did a lot of reading about you all right now i want to know is this you seriously mean what you're saying absolutely this is not i've act. been doing this ever since i was a child i have been this is what you see is what you get i do this when i wake up tomorrow morning i'll still smell the same way i'll still look the same way this is not a show this is not an act i am that guy now do you okay do you honestly believe yes. that you're a charismatic figure I believe that I am the king. I am the messiah. I rule the rock and roll and what, I'm bringing us to a revolution against the government, against the police, against any form of society that is trying to put us down and restrict us in any way, shape, or manner. You cannot conform. You must be a true nonconformist. To hell with what your parents have to say. Okay, okay. I am the man. Okay. So all you have to do is listen to what I have to say. Okay, well, who told you you were the Messiah? I said I was. Okay. And I am because these kids, I get letters from all over the world. People worship me. They come to my shows. I'm going to rape the girls. I might rape the guys. I might have sex. I'm, I want it all. Um, so this interview was on So Jane welcome back from the Jane Whitney interview. <laughs> welcome back. I hope you guys liked it. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I don't even remember who Jane Whitney is, but she was just another I one of these. I like, have no of fucking idea who that is. Daytime talk show people who never had the longevity. Sure. But she happened to get his final interview. Um, so, the interview was on June 27th, 1993. And later that night, Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies are scheduled to play at a New York club called The Gas Station, which yep. was uh, a former gas station turned into a rock club. So Gigi's suicide threats had continued after prison. He's still talking about it. He still ends up getting, you know, arrested for whatever, whenever Halloween comes up. But at this point, people are starting to kind of be really divided, as I said. Like, some people are just like, fuck this guy. But his really devoted yeah. fans are like, no, he's going to do it any day. Like, he's been gearing up for this shit. And, like, the energy is right. Like, I feel like it's going to happen any day now. And he had just gone on and done this Jane Whitney interview. And some of the things that he said, people were like, what the fuck? Like, he says on that interview that he's going to kill himself on stage on live yeah. TV. Like, he looks into the fucking camera, and he's like, I'm going to fucking murder myself. And I'm going to take all your kids with me. <laughs> and they're like, she's like, what do you mean take our kids? And he's like, well, I'll either make them kill themselves, or I'll kill them. <laughs> and so people see this, and they're just like, holy shit. Like, because most people have no fucking clue who this guy is. Like, yeah, it's you know like what I mean? Like, talk show, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, where, like, Guns N' Roses is scary. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I guarantee you, you know, if this guy, as, as quote-unquote, you know, famous and legendary as he has become, like, if I mentioned this guy to my parents, I don't think they would know who the fuck he was. You know what I mean? Unless yeah. they saw him on one of these shows, um, which I don't think they watch. So I think most people yeah. still don't know who the fuck Gigi Allen is. Um. <clears throat> So people are, like, starting to think, like, holy fuck, like, is he about to do it? Yeah. So in the lead-up to the show, they get off the interview, and then they go, and they're hanging out at this guy Johnny Puke's apartment. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, that's a very punk rock name. And they're just yeah. fucking getting loaded. Um, I guess, like, 
Johnny Puke ran out multiple times to get Coke, and, and Gigi Allen would just fucking do all of it. And they'd be like, yeah, we need more of that. And so he's just blasting, like, Jesus bags Christ. of Coke to the face, chugging whiskey, just getting fucking wasted. And he's just whipping himself up into a frenzy. He's pissed. He's like, fuck that. Fuck that interview. Fuck that bitch. There was a cop on that interview that he kept, like, harassing. He's like, fuck that pig. He's getting himself all, all fucked up. Now, Johnny Puke has been interviewed by Vice since then. So that's where, like, a lot of this stuff comes from. He's getting himself, like, all jacked up, all ready to go. And then it's time. And he's, like, just, like, in absolute rare form. Like, he feels like the cosmic energy of the universe is flowing through him. And it's, like... Yeah. He feels like he's peaking. And so they go to this show, and the band just starts right out of the fucking gate. And he comes out, and he fucking shits himself. And he fucking just goes ballistic. He's, like, owning it. Like, just a legend, a legendary performance. And yeah. before the first song is even over, he just reaches down into the front row and starts punching some dude in the fucking face. And that yeah. dude is obviously starts punching him back. And then Gigi just leaps off the stage. And meanwhile, he's still singing. Like, he hasn't missed a fucking word. He's fucking nailing the set. And he's fucking fighting some dude. And everybody starts going ballistic. And a huge fucking melee breaks out. And he's just throwing haymakers while he finishes the song. And, you know, sometime between the second and the third song, like, things get nuts. And people start just leaving the club. Because they're like, holy fucking shit. Like... This is more than I bargained for. It's a tiny little yeah. club. And Gigi Allen has just, like, declared war on the audience and just decided that, like, everyone <laughs> here will be a victim of violence until this show is over. Yeah. And so the club owner freaks out, and he pulls the plug, and he stops the show. And everybody's filing out into the street. And Gigi's going fucking ballistic. He's like, you fucking posers. You know, throwing out – he was a big fan of the, the F slur. Uh, he's throwing yeah. that word out and screaming like, you fucking posers, you have no fucking idea. And so he follows everybody outside and he's screaming at the audience that's like now all outside figuring out what to do. Like, fuck you, fuck you, you don't know what you're doing. And then he looks up and he sees a fucking bus coming and he's like, fuck this. And he jumps in front of the oh bus. Oh my God. <laughs> he dives into the middle of the road in front of the bus. And the bus driver, you know, slams on the brakes and stops just before hitting him. At this point, everybody's like silent. And they're like, holy shit. Like, he fucking did it. Yeah. He tried to fucking kill himself. And he just gets up and he comes back and then they start hearing sirens. You know, the cops are coming. And he's like, fuck this. I'm not going back to jail. So he tries to blend into the crowd. Yeah. But he's six feet tall. He's covered in blood and shit. And he's in, you know, nothing but panties and cowboy boots. There's no blending in. So him and his yeah. entourage try to, like, book it back to Johnny Puke's house. And But now there's, like, a bunch of people following him. Like, dude, like, were you really going to kill yourself? Like, a lot of these punks who, like, a minute ago were, like, terrified of him are like, holy shit, like. You're the real fucking deal. And yeah. so, ironically, he's sort of almost achieved his, like, little messiah moment where he's got, like, people flocking to him to just be like, what the fuck, man? Like, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? And he's like, fuck off. Like, get the fuck out of here. Fuck off. Like, he's trying to leave, you know, because he doesn't want to get arrested again. Um, and, ironically, this is when this is when <laughs> the big moment happens. He So they go back to Johnny Puke's house. And he's pissed. He's fucking losing his mind because uh, the show was such a fucking bust. And, you know, he starts to feel like people are, like, losing interest. And, you know, he's not going to be able to get through shows because people, you know, he's got all this notoriety now from TV. And, like, club promoters aren't going to book him and all this shit. Yeah. And they just start fucking ripping rails of heroin. Like, they're just they're just God blowing damn. heroin. And um, at some point, he passes out and... Uh, 
Dies. In the quietest way imaginable. Yeah, that that's it for Gigi Allen. He missed um, his moment. He missed his moment. And he became moment. nothing. <laughs> and he and he faded out like every other fucking lame rock star. So he uh, uh yeah, he, o- he ends up overdosing. They find him the next morning. He's dead. And uh you know, the papers come. They they see, you know, punk rocker overdoses in apartment blah blah blah. And it's like a minor headline moment, but um, yeah. It was mostly kind of lame and anonymous, and he just sort of fizzled out. You know, he flew too cl- flew too close to the shitty, awful sun, and um, yeah. so you know they end up having his his funeral a little while later, like back in New Hampshire, and they like didn't have his corpse treated or embalmed at all. They just like let it bloat and like God rot. Damn. So his like just untreated, bloated corpse is dressed up in a, a leather jacket and just a jock strap. And uh, all his friends are, like, posing him. You can look it up. You can see pictures of his funeral. Like, all his, like, bandmates and friends are, like, posing with his body for pictures. And they're shoving, like, drugs into his mouth and into his pockets. And they tuck a big bottle of whiskey, big bottle of Jim Beam under his arm. Because he actually has a song called When I Die where he, like, outlines what he wants. And so they just, like, do that. And it turns into a fucking party and everybody's just raging. And they end up burying him. His brother puts uh, uh, headphones on his head and a cassette player and is playing one of his albums uh the suicide sessions um just in his ears as they bury him and um and that's it that's that's the saga of Gigi allen they 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 buried him and uh he's gone on to become then that documentary released the next year um and so he's become like a minor sort of fringe punk celebrity but like also not like a great dude um there's a lot more to it (laughs) like he was big into violence and um nazi memorabilia and and all kinds of shit um you know like i said i want to finish that documentary I, I i definitely there's a lot more to learn about him but yeah um i think this was a pretty solid overview of like the the general depravity that was uh gg on he was 36 years old when he died and um he certainly he fucking walked the walk i'll say that except for the yeah. killing himself <laughs> on stage thing but he uh sort of like varg like this is a dude for whom the scene really was everything. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like actually, yeah. They were fucking serious about it. Yeah, he actually cared about rock and roll like more than anything else in the world, and and he he fucking did that shit. Hell yeah, brother. I guess so. <laughs> so not to say that we're fans, because whatever. But if you can separate the music from the man, he's got some rippers. He had some fucking tunes. Um, yeah. Just not a very good dude. <laughs> Actually, a pretty bad dude. What do you think? Yeah, so I mean, going into this, I knew about. Um, I obviously knew who Gigi Allen was. I knew about him wanting to kill himself on stage thing. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, knew about obviously like all the blood and shit like that. But 
did not know this much about him, so fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah, bananas. I feel like that's like the only person that you can follow up Varg Vikernes with. Yeah. You know? Like, who else are you going to talk about? Who's a musician? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Like, and yeah, I'm I mean, sure you we could, can you find could do Gidara or something like that. <laughs> could do who? Gidara. I don't know. Oh, Gidara. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of other historical figures who are who are worse. You know, you talk about Albert, yeah. Albert Fish or something. But um, <laughs> in the world of rock and roll, there are a few particularly wild figures. You know, and you hear about all these people like you know, oh, Led Zeppelin used to throw TVs out of the hotel room. It's like. Yeah, that's cool. Did they used to shit on themselves and give themselves blood poisoning? Like, <laughs> yeah. this is a dude who was fucking just the next level of commitment to the insanity. Because he wanted rock and roll to be dangerous. He was upset and offended by the fact that rock and roll had become mainstream in, in even the simplest ways. Like, didn't like yeah. that people weren't freaked out by it anymore. And he wanted people to be fucking afraid. Yeah, when he a rock was like a living John Waters film. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, he was just the absolute like most debaucherous person of all time, you know. But he did that shit. Yeah, he, yeah. So that shit, yeah, he did it. Yeah, he sure did. Well, yeah. that, anyway, that's my Gigi Allen episode. I hope you guys liked it. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you all for another successful month. We're doing pretty well. We're we're happy. We're glad you guys are still listening. And and uh, um, November has started obscenely well yeah we're off with the bang so, so. we're happy yeah. we're 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 digging it yeah yeah so uh you know it sounds like some of you people have been taking our uh, request to keep telling people about us because we spread mm-hmm. through word of mouth and all we can say is please keep doing that shit sure dude you yeah. know what's been really funny so uh, you know I've, I've been on dating apps a little bit and like yeah those things are fucking hysterical but yeah um you know, in my profiles, it's like, well, what do you do? And I was like, I don't oh know. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The podcast thing goes goes over well, doesn't it? It does. It, go, it actually it goes <laughs> yeah, over yeah, it goes over fucking well, dude. What's it's that? Like, it goes over fucking hell. The well, first dude. thing that people always ask me about is like, you do a podcast? Yeah. Oh my god, that's so cool. And I'm just like, yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, you know, it's it's cool, it's fun. Um, yeah. But I also all inevitably end up getting sucked into like my sales pitch, which is like, here's the link. You should check it out. Tell your friends. <laughs> I yeah. feel so lame, but whatever, dude. It's viral marketing. Yeah, yeah. For, <laughs> grassroots. Yeah, I, I, it's a grassroots you know, campaign. I, I wonder, you know, I've definitely uh, gone on dates with girls and talked about that, and they listen to, like, all the episodes. I always wonder if they still do. So if they do, what's up? Yeah, if you're out there and um, you still do, just don't tell anybody about my penis because uh, <laughs> that is private. Yeah. I, I'm not Gigi Allen. It's like I always say, okay? It's not small, it's cute. All right? It's yep. charming. <laughs> yep. It's petite. It's got a certain je ne sais quoi. <laughs> yeah, you tell them small, they see medium, think large. Oh, man, that's a mantra to live by. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, as always, um, you know the drill. We're going to have our Twitter shit in our description. You know, We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can email us, leftonredpod at gmail.com. Um, please tell your friends it's obviously been working, but we appreciate that, uh, immensely. If you enjoy what we do, any way that you have to rate or, or, or share or subscribe to what yep. we're doing, uh, means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Just a rate and review on the app of your choice. I know particularly Apple that really helps with mm-hmm. the algorithm, yep. uh, Spotify. I don't think you can, uh, correct no. me if I'm wrong. No, but you can subscribe. Um, I'm sure and some of the other ones you can. Sure. Yeah, whatever whatever your app of choices version of support is, 
um, we appreciate do you continuing that to do that because it trickles down in one way or another to hopefully more people listening. And, um, you know, the more people that listen, the more opportunity we have to kind of devote more time to this. So, and frankly, yep. I think we would both agree this is like our passion project and the thing that we enjoy the most. Uh, yeah, right yeah, now yeah. We, hobby, right so. now we do it out of love. Eventually, uh, I would like to, to make some money for, you know, some of these weeks that I do basically like <laughs> 15, to, uh, 20 hours extra. Yeah, it's, it can certainly be a lot. Yeah. Um, not every week is like GG Allen where, you know. Yeah, where like I text you on Tuesday, I'm like, yo, dude, I, there's no way I could get a, one of these two episodes I have partially done done. Oh, dude, uh, I was so stupid. So I never pay attention. So I was like, I'll yeah. fucking do it. No problem. Like, I got time. Yeah, yeah. I'm off tomorrow. I'll throw an episode together. And then I realized this mo- or last night at work that I had to go into work today for like this <laughs> wine training. Yeah. And so it's a two-hour training, but it also because of traffic, because fuck Boston, ended up just being yeah. four hours of my day. And so I come back, and it's 6 o'clock, and we're supposed to record at 7.30, and I'm just like, all right, I've got to write 2,500 words. Let's fucking do it. And yep. so the episode that you heard came together immediately before this recording. I'm uh, sorry if I, I missed anything. I wrote the uh, I wrote the advertisement in between sets at the gym. There you go. <laughs> I would, like, do a set, a bench press, and then get on my phone, notes app, start yeah. writing. <laughs> Ugh. Dude, uh, that's, that's funny. I liked the ad. I thought the ad was good. Yeah. I still like. I'm still having trouble with that. Middle yeah, there was still that that the I don't know the hazy part in the middle. Yeah, where. Anyway, uh, where, I gotta go. It felt like I was in front of a fire, warm and at home. Yeah, I gotta go because I think I gotta I gotta get in my car and drive to drive to Dallas. But um, I okay. I'll see you there. You want me yeah. to pick you up on the way? Yes. Okay. That seems right. Okay. All right, I'll talk to you later, All right, man. yeah. Hey, dude, this was a good one. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. On the floor in a pool of blood and cum. My demons lay beside me as I kiss them one by one. Then on that day I met a force that nothing will compare. I was born the son of evil when I fucked the devil there. My daddy was a powerful soul back in 56. My mother was a virgin when she first felt his prick. Then on August 29th, baby Jesus Christ was born. Unailing to the world, he was set out to destroy. I'm the son of evil, the god of fire and hell. I'm the son of evil, the one you'll never know. As I look into your eyes, you'll only cry for help. I want to paralyze you cause I only love myself But when I was reborn from the day I fucked the devil Nothing will come close to me because I am immortal Many lives I've lived and many times I've died But my soul cannot be stopped as it's on an endless ride As I look into your eyes you see an icy stare I want to bring you to your knees Destroy your life right there Put your hand in mine As I take you for a ride You'll see your life be stripped away Cause today you're gonna die Evil.
to your eyes You'll only cry for help I want to paralyze you Cause I only love myself Laying on a floor In a pool of blood and cum My demons lay beside me As I kiss them one by one For on that night I met a force That nothing will compare I was born the son of evil When I fucked the devil there My daddy was a powerful soul back in 56 My mother was a virgin when she first felt it put Then on August 29th, baby Jesus Christ was born An alien to the world, he was set out to destroy An alien to the world, he was set out to destroy An alien to the world, he was set out to destroy destroy.